It's a time of great victory. Your past does not have to dictate your future. We are on the solid rock, Christ Jesus. God's got something better for you. So if you brought your Bibles, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 15, 11 through 24. Luke chapter 15, 11 through 24. I had a, um, I did have a message ready, and when I woke up this morning, I was telling my wife that, <laughs> of course, God likes to change things, and I don't know if he does that to, to see if I really know what I think I know or just to, you know, play the loop-de-loop, but he kind of switched it up a little bit. So it's all good. Luke chapter 15. So I'm going to read some scriptures. It's about um, 12 scriptures, and then we're going to kind of talk about it. The title of my message that I hand wrote this morning is called Wayward Son. And they, had a, they have a secular song called Carry On Wayward Son, but I didn't think it'd be fitting to play this morning, so I didn't ask for it. So let's read. Then he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possession with prodigal living. But when he had spent all there, all there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed the swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's servants have enough bread and enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father. But when he was still a great ways off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to his father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this wonderful day. Thank you for the calling that you have on my life. Thank you for the wisdom that you pour into me, Father God. I pray the words that are in my mouth and my heart will come and fall into the ears that have already been conditioned and anointed this morning to receive them. I pray everything you want me to say will be said and understood the way you would have it, Father. Thank you, Lord, for the blessing that all my friends and family are here this morning to be part of this special occasion. And we give you glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name. So what I want to do is I want to compare my life to the prodigal son. And I was, uh, not many people in here know me from my youth, but uh, Samantha, probably one of the only ones left, really. And Brian and some other people, but I was the poster child for Prodigal Son. And not just the poster child, I was, I put the ad in bed. And, and I don't even know why um, Pastor and Charlie even let me keep coming back to church. 
And I was so bad later on in life that my wife told me one time, do you remember this, that if I get in one more fight, you were leaving me? <laughs> my bride. And I chose her over busting knuckles, so I think I made a wise decision. <laughs> so Emily truly was my guardian angel. She helped me get out of a lot of things that nobody even knew. So in verse 12, verse 12, it said, And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So when I was growing up, I didn't, we didn't have wealth. And we were kind of poor. We, we moved from place to place. We, we lived trailer park to trailer park. And, and it, some of it was not by choice, it just the way things were. And I'm, I'm not mad, I'm not bitter, but that's just the way my life was. And we grew up, and we didn't really have a lot of money for new clothes. We didn't have a lot of money for new shoes. We was on free lunch. And that's not saying anything bad about my parents. You know, I love my mom and my dad with all of my heart. But certain things just happen the way they happen. We don't choose as kids. We don't have the opportunity or the luxury to choose how we're going to be raised. Right? And later on in life, I, when I came across Romans 8.28, that all things work together for the good of those who are in Christ Jesus and called according to his purpose. That's when that really started making sense. That what happened when I was younger and the way I lived when I was younger helped me to be who I am today. Amen. It allows me to love on people who are broken and hurt, who've been, um, who's been to jail, who's been to prison. It just allows me to go out and reach out to the homeless people and love them with a different passion because I've been on that side of the tracks, if that makes sense. And so that's how I grew up. And so when it talks about the prodigal son where he asked his father, hey, give me all my possessions. Well, we didn't have possessions. So... I ran away, and I stayed gone, I think, was it three months, Daddy, the first time? <laughs> Probably three months. I think I was 14, and I lived with my friends. We lived in uh, cars. We lived on top of Kroger's for about two weeks, the old Kroger's with boxes, and we lived on the beach for about a month on the top, top of the station wagon, under the station wagon. We didn't have no money. We used to go down to the stop and go when they had those 59-cent uh, big gulps. Y'all remember those? And they used to have the hot dogs, two for a dollar. Well, we'd put, we could put about 10 of them in the big cup cult when they weren't cup when they weren't looking. So we'd get like 10 hot dogs for 59 cents. That was a good deal. <laughs> I thought. And then we'd walk around the store like we were drinking a big gulp. But really, it was hot dogs in there. And as soon as we got out, we'd ravished them like junkyard dogs because <laughs> we were starving. But somehow or another, we made it. And... So I went through some hard times, and that's one of the things when I go on outreach and when I reach up to people and I grab a hold of them, and I just grab them, and I say, you know, I know where you've been. And a lot of times it's hard for you to talk about a story. It's hard for you to talk about, like, marriage if you've never been married. It's hard for you to talk about being homeless if you've never been homeless. Not saying God can't use you still. Not saying that God can't give you a gift or a talent for that. But when you know that you know when you've been down in the bottom of the barrel and there's nothing left and you see your brother or somebody going through it, you can relate. And one thing I've learned about ministry, it's a relate thing. If you can relate to what I'm going through, it gives me hope. We don't always have to have the answers. Sometimes they just want you to love them and just put your hands on them and say, it's okay. It's okay that you're going through this. And sometimes you have to go through, through things. And so... I didn't have 
wealth to waste, but what I did waste was my talent. When I first met Charlie, he started pouring into my life, and one of the things he always told me is that I was a leader, that wherever I went, people would follow me. If I wanted to go jump off the 2004 bridge, people were going with me, and we did, <laughs> more than once. <laughs> and it was scary, but we did. We, if we wanted to go and, and ride on the top of a hood of a car at 60 miles an hour, then we would do it. And those are the things that we did, and people followed me. And I would honestly say I was probably the only one when we were living wild and reckless that was never under the influence of any drugs or alcohol when I was doing crazy stuff. So I was just naturally born crazy, okay? <laughs> but it was a passion that God gave me to be a leader. And I, I took my spoils from my father God of being a natural leader. And instead of using them for the church and for his word in the youth group, I aspired at one time when I was younger to be a youth pastor. And instead of using that gift there, I used it out on the streets doing things that I shouldn't have been doing. And what, what happened there is that kind of, that's how I wasted my talent. That's how I wasted the, the possessions that my father gave me. We always, when we read the story, we always want to think it's always a, a financial inheritance. And most of the time it is, but not everybody has that. So I, I would ask this morning, what gifts or what talents has God blessed you with that you've been wasting away with? What talent and gift has God given you that you've just taken it to a faraway country and now you find yourself down in a pig pen and you've just wasted your talents? Some of you in here are so brilliant and so smart and I've talked to you time and time again and yet we come in here every week and, and we sit here and we go to church and we get fed and then we go home and we never use the gifts that God has given us because we've gotten complacent. We don't know how to get in the, out of the rut. Sometimes you just got to move, like Christian was saying this morning. If there's a wall in front of you, take the bricks off the wall and build a bridge to get over that. We have gifts and we have talents. And not God had given me a gift and a talent to be a leader. And I used it in the wrong way. I was even the leader of a gang one time. And all, all the gang members and my leader that I was a leader of, they all spent... 20-something uh, years in prison, and I was the only one that didn't because I was not there when they did stuff. So I used my gifts and my talent that God gave me for bad things. And it all had a purpose. But what are you running from today, I would ask? What has God totally blessed you with a knowledge of? Is it finance? Is it dance? Is it, is it music? Is it, are you a recovering alcoholic? And you've got the ability to reach out and love on people that other people can't. What, what gift has God given you that you've buried, that you've wasted in a faraway land? I would ask you to think about that, to resurrect it, to see where it's at and where you can take that. Verse 15 says, Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and sent him into the fields. And they sent him into the fields to feed the swine. So I'm going to talk another part about my life that some of y'all have heard, but it was one of the darkest times in my entire life. When I was 17 years old, I went to prison for three years. They tried to give me 20 years, aggravated for robbery and assault, and I got out of it by God's grace, not by mine. And so I ended up getting a five-year sentence. I did three on a five and only and did two years when I got out. But it was during that time in prison that this God, that this uh, Jesus that Charlie preached to me about every day of my life 
from the time he met me, taking me and my brother, picking us up at the trailer park, bringing us back to church, leaving his family at church so he could tend to us. Give it, he would pay us for us to come and work at his jewelry store, and he would take us and let us go to camp. And you, I don't know if you knew that, Samantha, that's the only reason we got to go to camp was because of Charlie paying for us to go. And so I went 17 years old. I went to the second worst prison in Texas. And there was things that I seen and heard that would make a grown man blush that I'm, I'm going to spare you all the details. But I'm sure you've seen the movies and you've heard the stories. And there's some of those exact same things that they've came to me and they said, this is what we're going to do to you if you don't give us any commissary. And that scared me with every fiber in my body. That was the first time in my life I've ever experienced fear. Ever. I've never experienced fear like that. And I was so terrified because I've seen it, and I heard it, and I went up to my cell, G322. If I ever get another tattoo, it's going to be G322, because that was my third cell. 20, that's, that was where I, I got saved, really. <laughs> I mean, I'd went to the altar probably 10 times as a kid. Every time pastor gave one, we were all the kids. We'd run up there and hoofla, you know, and we'd get saved and go back to doing what we was doing. But G322, G block, 20 seconds, cell 22 on the third tier. And that's when I went in there, and I fell on my knees with this violent cry, just pouring my heart out because I had no choice. Because he was just like this prodigal son. He was down feeding the swine. He was a Jew. And they're not supposed to be messing with anything pigs. So not only was it against his belief, but that is the lowest he could have possibly gone. And that was the lowest I could have possibly gone, was in prison. Had no family in there. I had no friends in there. Everybody was trying to get me. Everybody was literally trying to do the things to me that you see on TV. And I went in my cell and I said, and I, as I was on my knees crying, with my hands lifted as high as I could lift them, I said, Jesus, if you're real, if you're real, now you need to show me. This is the time. And I ran downstairs. Well, not ran. I was still nervous. But I kind of walked downstairs and I walked up to this guy and I looked up to him and I said, you're not going to hurt me. And the reason you're not going to hurt me is because Jesus is going to protect me. And for three months on that unit, every single day, these guys plotted to come and get me. Every, every, soon, every time the guard walked away, they would advance toward me, just like this. And every single time, my God made a way out. Every time. They didn't touch me, they didn't harm me, and they didn't do anything they said they were going to do to me. I didn't know how to be a Christian. I didn't know what it meant to be saved. All I knew is that I had heard about Jesus in the van of Charlie Goodson. All I knew is that it worked for him. It's got to work for me. And that's why when I hear that, that scripture, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's why it's so important that we live our testimony. That's why it's so important that we always use our life experience. It doesn't matter what it is, drugs, abortion, divorce, whatever your story is, somebody can get the word of God from it. And I would encourage you to share it every day for the rest of your life because that's what people relate to when they see Christ. They don't know who Christ I didn't know who Christ was. Uh, the only Christ I knew about was what Charlie looked like and how he lived his life and pastor. And that's what I thought about. And so I got saved in prison. 
And when I told this guy that, they, they didn't harm me. They didn't hurt me for three months. And then one day I'm sitting in my cell, and I go downstairs, and I had, there were some other guys that I kind of talked to. And I said, hey, uh, I'm leaving tomorrow. And they were like, oh, that's amazing. Did you get your papers? And I said, no. And they said, oh, did they uh, call you into the chaplain's office and tell you you were leaving? I said, no. Well, how do you know you're leaving? I said, the Holy Spirit told me that I'm leaving in the morning. And they said, oh, you're stupid. <laughs> that ain't real. You're crazy. And let me tell you, when you hear God, when you hear his voice, you know that you know that you know. And there's no doubt about it. You don't mistake God's voice for something else. I was so sure and positive in what the Lord had told me that I went back to my cell, gathered all my belongings, put all my stuff in a big uh, snap sack that we had, allowed to have my pictures. I left all the groceries there. I rolled up my mat, and I sat down, and I fell asleep. And 4 o'clock in the morning, this lady came banging on the bars, and she said, Olaf, Olaf. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, you're out of here. I said, I know. I know what the Lord has spoken to me. So I've ex I got to experience God in such a way early on in my life that most people didn't ever get to experience because I didn't have a choice. It was literally do or die. And I chose to do with Christ and to trust in him and to go the route he wanted me to go. And even though I was in prison, I can tell you I have never felt so free. When I walked around, yeah, praise God. There's so many stories I could use to uh, exemplify my testimony, the story of Joseph, and, but I, I chose this one. But when I was in prison and, and I walked around, I had this conscious contact that just kind of enveloped me. It was like this cloud that was all around me, uh, and that was the Holy Spirit. And I did get out, obviously, but I couldn't get any lower than where I was at. And my mom would write me, and it the hardest part about me being locked up would my mom would write me and tell me how she was struggling with bills and, and being on food stamps. and it, just, it killed me because I couldn't do nothing about it. And I vowed, and this was after you know, receiving Christ and believing in him, I vowed with all of my heart that I, that I was going to change that for me and my family. And although I went a little sideways and twisted off a little bit, when I got out, I didn't come full circle until December 5th. In 2005, many of y'all know that date was the day that my brother was killed. And it really hit me home how fragile life was. And when I called Charlie Goodson, he was in, what's, where was you at? Illinois. He was in Illinois, and it was snowing, and he couldn't get out. And the first thing he told me when I told him that was, do you remember in the van coming home from church when I prayed the prayer of salvation for you and your brother? I said, yes, sir. He said, we know where he's at. And thank God for faithful men. Thank God for faithful men. But Verse 17, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger? At that point in my life that I was running, and I was running hard, and I was tired of running, and I'd gotten to that point where I just needed a touch from Christ, and I was tired of running. You ever been tired of running? Are you, ever, you tired of running from your calling? Come on, guys. 
you're not getting any younger. I mean, look at all this gray. I don't even diet anymore. I'm not even ashamed anymore. Okay, look. What are you running from? God has called you to a higher level of living. He's called you to a higher purpose in his kingdom. And when you get tired of running, sometimes you just got to sit down and rest. And when I think about that, that, just for a minute, when I think about sitting and resting, I always think about the time me and, and Bob and Daryl, we was on outreach, and we had been walking around these complexes, apartments, just seemed like for two hours that morning, we just weren't seeing nothing, nobody to give a Christian starter kit to, to run up and hug on them. And Bob said, you know what? Sometimes we just need a rest. Remember that, Bob? And we sat down on the bench, and he said, let's just sit here for a couple minutes and just pray. And, man, within a couple minutes, it's like the, everybody in the apartments decided, hey, let's just go outside. <laughs> so we were like, had uh, plenty to choose from on who we wanted to speak to. And sometimes you just need rest, but you can't find that rest if you're constantly running. And that was one of the things that I, one of the biggest things in my life that made a difference to me is when I finally got caught. Because I didn't have to run anymore. I was tired of running. I was tired of chasing other dreams other than what God had for me. God didn't put me there. So many people want to say, well, God put me in jail. God made me a drug addict so he could, you know, God didn't do that. Guess who did that? Me. That was my choice. It was my decision. But now, guess what? That scripture that I quoted earlier, Romans 8, 28, all things work together for the good of those who are in Christ Jesus and called according to his purpose. Now that scripture becomes real. Now we can start seeing the fruits from that by the stuff that we came out of. Which I say is my testimony. I love sharing my testimony. Because most of the times now when I share it, people look at me like, you did what? You? You? said, you had no idea. Verse 22. Well, let me just continue right here. So what I, what I did was I found repentance. I finally repented of the things that I was doing. Finally repented of the sins that I'd committed. And finally repented for running from God. And that's when I started saying, God, I want you to use the gift and the talents that you've put in me for your word and for your kingdom. And that's what he started doing. And what I want you to remember is, is what happened in the story. When, when the boy left, he was telling his father, give me. But when he came back, he was saying, make me. When I left my home in early childhood, running away, I was saying, give me my space. Give me my time. Give me my life. But when I came back to full restoration in God, I was saying, make me a servant. Make me a child of God. Make me humble for you, Lord. And that's what God did. Verse 22, but the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And that means so much to me because that is a perfect example of Christ redeeming love. The father where it doesn't matter how far you've gone. It doesn't matter what you've done in your life. How bad, if you've been to prison, you've fought people, you've been a drug addict your whole life, it doesn't matter what you've done. When you make the decision to turn and go back to Christ, he meets you there. You don't have to travel back to where you came from. He wants your commitment. He wants your love. He wants your faithfulness. And when I finally made that commitment, 
I feel like God put that robe on me, that robe of righteousness, and said, you know, we're going to get through this. And what the ring symbolized in the robe was that he went back into being restored to who he was before he, he twisted off. In other words, he got restored back into his rightful position. And that's what God did to me. Now, I still had to put the work in. I still spent years studying and praying, doing outreach. One of my favorite things to do is to go on outreach and find people just to pray with them. I develop a, a, te a technique that on my way home that I've got about 30 seconds at the stoplights to witness to these homeless people that are asking for money. So when they ask me for change, I'll give them a Christian starter kit, and I'll say, this is all the change you need. What's your name? Right? And they'll tell me their name. I'll say, well, let me pray for you. Do you have any prayer needs? And that usually takes about 10 seconds. And they'll tell me their name, and they'll say, yeah, I'm hungry. Or, yeah, I want my family back. Or, yeah, I didn't do this, and I couldn't help my situation where I'm at. And I'll say, give me your hand. So I'll grab their hand, and we'll pray. That's my wife. we got both cars loaded down with Christian starter kits. Doesn't matter. If I've if I already seen them and I've given them one, I'm giving them another one. Because sometimes it takes more than one time talking and sharing your story with somebody about Jesus before they get it. Charlie spent many years, huh? Look at his face. <laughs> he spent many years telling me about Christ before I finally got it. But restoration comes. Once, once you get realize that you've been restored. Nothing in life matters. And when you experience that close relationship and that close walk with Jesus Christ, you want to sell out for him. And that's what I've done. I'm not perfect. I've had conversations with pastors where he said, well, you know, you probably shouldn't have said that. Yeah. <laughs> so we need to work on that. Uh, yeah, it happens. You know, we're human. And I know my passion for Christ I'm not saying I was right, wrong, or indifferent. I'm just saying some things that when pastor speaks, we listen. When pastor speaks, we listen. Because he's got 40-something years in the ministry. And so I listen. And I promise you, pastor, I'll work on everything you tell me. Many times in our life we have children and, and family members that go by the wayside. Most of the times it's our children. They grow up and... They want all their inheritance. They want to be grown, and they want to, want to do all the things that you know is not good for them. And they run away, and they get out into the world, and they end up in jail or married or pregnant. And then you, and when you feel like all hope is lost, whenever you think about that, whenever, and I know some of y'all have are going through this right now, I always want you to remember, and this is going to sound kind of vain, <laughs> but I want you to think about me. <laughs> Okay, when you think about your prodigal son, for the simple fact that I am a living, breathing testimony of what God could do, not, not because I desired that, but because I had people in my life that never quit. And when you think about quitting, that's when you need to dig in. That's when you need to pray harder. That's when you say, Lord, the devil can't have what you've given me. And you keep proclaiming it. And you keep fighting for your children. Because half the time, they don't even know they're lost. And no matter what their mistakes are, no matter if they go to prison, no matter if they come and tell you that they're gay, it, it's, it's irrelevant. 
You love your kids, you pray with them, and you walk them through it. And one day there's going to be a feast, a great feast, when the restoration has come full circle, when your children are back in your home, there's going to be so much joy, there's going to be so much peace, and y'all are going to sit at the table, and y'all are going to look back in the past and say, you know, there were some tough times. And I'm going to say something that's crazy, but I don't regret one thing in my life of what I've been through. Because I wouldn't be here today without it. I'm not saying God put me there. But I'm saying the path that I chose wasn't the path that God had for me. But he used it for a better and greater purpose. And I know some of you are are asking yourself, well, what does God have for me? And I'm going to tell you, it's a process. When I first started going around the lunch tents at ExxonMobil in uh, 2008 during, uh, during the big turnaround... And I was going from table to table asking people for prayer requests. And they were looking at me like I was stupid. I didn't have the foggiest idea that I was going to be a pastor one day. All I wanted to do was tell people about Jesus. And tell them about the change that has happened in my life. And I got so much ridicule. I got people said so many things to me that I dare not even insinuate in church. But you know what? Because I made myself available, because I shared my testimony, because I made myself there to pray for them. You know what they would do? They'd catch me out in the unit and they'd ask me, would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? And that led to Christian starter kits. And I'm I'm getting somewhere with this. Just because you don't know what God has for you, don't mean you sit back and do nothing. Because if you ain't moving forward, you're moving backwards because there's no idle time with Christ. And if you ever think that you've made it to where God has said you're done and you're complete, I'm going to beg to differ because your destination is in heaven. It's not here. So that means our walk is continuously moving, continuously growing. You're always going to be pushing for the gospel. Hey, this is Pastor Paul Golden. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe, rate it, and review. Also, you can help us to reach others by investing today at likechristiancenter.com slash give. Thank you for joining us on LCC's podcast. God bless you and have a great day.